Hello, and welcome to Our Walk Together. This is the place where we have a chance to listen and to learn from others on our walk. My name is Paul Wong, and I will be your host, but also a fellow traveler. I'm glad that you're able to join me today on Our Walk Together. So I'd like to welcome everybody here to our walk together. Um, I think you're going to enjoy this particular uh, episode of our walk together. We have an interesting person. But before I, we get to that, let's, uh, if we could just take a moment to kind of collect ourselves, draw ourselves together and, and join ourselves together in prayer. Lord God, we thank you for bringing us here together. We thank you for those who are listening. We thank you for those who are participating. We ask that you open our ears today. Open our ears to hear the things that you would like us to hear, and not only the things that you'd like us to hear or that we'd like to hear, but the things that we need to hear. And we make this prayer through Jesus. Amen. So my guest today um, we're going to be talking about uh, um, men's men's issues, and just as you know, we're, we are going to be talking about men's issues. But just so the ladies who are listening don't get don't immediately turn off. Um, I think sometimes if if you can understand what's going on with the the guys who are in your life, it makes a big difference too for for everything. So don't turn don't turn off yet because you'll you'll be able to uh, benefit benefit from this as well. So my guest today is Dr. Michael Joquith. Um, Jaquith? Joquith? Jaquith? Am I pronounced? Jaquith? I'm sorry. Um, uh, he's a PhD chemist, and he left the corporate world and now helps men everywhere to discover how to live a more meaningful and fulfilling life. Um, he's certified through the Life, Co- life Coach School He combines cutting-edge science and coaching uh, expertise with the time-honored teachings of the faith, uh, which is uh, our Catholic faith. Uh, Michael's married with six children and lives in rural northern Idaho. Um, So welcome, Michael, to our walk together. Paul, thank you so much for having me here. It's an utter delight, and I'm really looking forward to just spending this time with you and getting to know you better as well. Great. Tell us a little bit about you. What, what, what's your story, I suppose, is the way to say it. Absolutely. And thank you so much for that invitation. I think my story needs to start with my childhood. So I grew up in this broken, very poor northern Michigan home. My father was abusive in quite a few ways. And then when I was in sixth grade, it was discovered even more ways he was abusive and he went to jail for 10 years. And so I mm-hmm. kind of grew up in a really, really broken background. And I was filled with anger at the world. I didn't know what I wanted to do with myself. Very badly hurt and didn't really have anyone I could reach out to. My mother, Lord Lord bless her, was just doing everything she could to try to hold it together. And in ninth grade, 
I met this young man whose name was Paul, ironically. Mm. And he, uh, he was the first guy I met who seemed to have something different about him. And it's so funny. So I worked at a Kmart at the time and I was the lowest job possible in the rung. And so we would go out there and he was the same level. And we would go out there and we had to collect all the carts in the parking lot. And we quickly discovered we shared two loves. And the two loves we shared were that we both loved to argue and we both loved the outdoors. And it took Paul 12 years. I tell him that he was, you know, fighting it with the great St. Paul himself there for tenacity. But 12 <laughs> years later, I became an adult convert and I joined the church in 2008. Mm-hmm. And what's so interesting, and I, I realize I'm skipping over key parts that you're more than welcome to dig into some of these later on. But I thought when I joined the church, everything was going to be good to go. Like I have this horrible background. I, in those intervening years, part of the reason why the 12 years was there is I didn't know it at the time, but I could have said St. Augustine's prayer, Lord, give me chastity, but not yet. And so I chased the alcohol. I chased the worldly pleasures. I call it sometimes the church of hedonism. And it turns out that ended up to be about as hollow as, as everyone who chases it sincerely eventually discovers. And so I joined the church and I'm like, all right, Lord, I did it. I'm in the church. In fact, that particular day was an Ash Wednesday. And I'd been attending mass without receiving for about six months at this point. And I really was still fighting in my heart. And I walk into this parish and there's this 200 foot wide banner that says, repent today. And I said, all right, Lord, I get it. I get it. I'll do it. I'll do it. (laughs) End up having to find private instruction because no one would let me into an RCA program on Ash Wednesday. And so I find this private instructions, brilliant old Italian priest, lovely, lovely man. And get married, start to have kids. I'm like, all right, that's it. I put my old ways behind me. My old life is done. And all of a sudden, whoa, wait a second. There's a lot of stuff inside Michael that he hadn't dealt with yet. And I almost kind of think like that's when it really got real. And that's when a bunch of things came together for me is then that's when I started to discover like, what is my faith? What do I really believe here? Who am I really? And started digging and discovering secular life, life coaching, discovering self-help, uh, some really great spiritual direction. I've got to throw a shout out to the, the brothers and that live in the um, Verbum and Spay order in Boise, Idaho. They, they are some phenomenal help that I received through that order. And there's just so many good things that came into my life. And so now we fast forward from there 10 years more. My wife and I have been blessed with six children. As you mentioned, it's, it is a houseful. Our oldest is 11. Our youngest oh is two. So we still have two in diapers. And it's, it's a little crazy some days, but it is so amazing the way that God has moved in our lives. And I'm just super happy to be here to share some of this with you. Great. I'm glad, I'm glad you could be here with us. It's, um, I know that uh, a lot of what you do is... Uh, is working and coaching with men um, in how they uh, live their lives, how they cope, I suppose, is a good word, how they, uh, what, what gives their life meaning, I suppose, is, is the best way to say it. Um, and with the, with the men you work with, well, uh, what do you see as being some of the big impediments um, to men feeling comfortable with themselves? I think so many men today, and I'm sure women too. So please keep in mind that exactly as you said earlier, well, the topic we're addressing is men. And, and I have much more direct experience with men, obviously. Mm-hmm. Women, I'm not trying to take away at all from their struggles, and they may have similar or slightly different ones. But for men, so many of us don't know who we are, what we are, what is a father, what is a husband? For that matter, for a lot of us, what is a man? 
I look at my own story growing up. I really did not know what it meant to be a man. My dad went to jail in 10 years. I knew I didn't want to do what he did, but you know, you can't really aim for something good just by running from something bad. And so I was just a swirl. Like, what does it mean to be a man? What does it mean to be a father? How do I love? I'm supposed to show God the father. That's not me. And then I think what really happens is we start to feel trapped. We start to feel powerless. I, I, I've certainly experienced this in my life, still do now at some times where I watch myself. And in the words of St. Paul, I see myself doing that, which I do not want to do. And I don't know how to stop. And I remember with our first child, Lord Lover, she was a year old and I was in mass. And I remember this moment very well. And I'm in the cry room with her. And I'm just so angry because she's just throwing this tantrum after escalating tantrum after tantrum. She's a one-year-old. That's what one-year-olds do. And, but that's not what Michael's inside. Michael in that moment is this anger, this fury. And I remember stepping up saying, whoa, what is going on here? But, but this is not who you want to be. You're doing your dad thing right now. Like what my dad did. I don't want that. Mm -hmm. And that was like one of those wake up calls where I said, shoot, man, I'm not doing this the way I want to do it. And I think, you know, one of the great blessings I had, there's a man whose name was Ben and total, total, you know, credit to Ben the very next Sunday. In fact, he comes up to me and he says, you know, Michael, it's not my place to speak poorly whatsoever, but I just noticed that you are having some struggles. That's maybe very similar to struggles that I had. And I don't know if this is helpful or not, but here's a flash drive. It contains a bunch of audiobooks and some talks that really helped me to change my life. And if you have any questions or ever need to talk, here's my phone number. And that was it. And he said, as he walks away, he says, if you need to throw in the trash, I totally understand, but I at least need to offer that to you. And that was kind of the start and praise the Lord for Ben's courage, because what really needed to happen in my heart, getting back to your question about how to be comfortable with myself as a man, is I first had to understand what is my role as a man? Who am I? As Father Ricardo says, before you can do anything, you first need to understand how to be it. And I think a lot of times when I work with men, um, men have these ideas in our head. We, we have this idea of, oh, I must make sure my children are well-disciplined and that they will be successful in the world. And so I will impose rigid order. Or there's the opposite end of, I must, as a man, I must make sure my children are always loved. So no matter what they do, they will always be loved. And obviously there's, there's no singular answer to these deeper questions, whether it's as fatherhood or it's as husbandry, or even just as self-identity, who am I in God? And And there's a component of each. And it's that surrender, learning to surrender myself, learning to open myself up more. And that then I get to stand back one day and say, oh, hey, that's that situation where my teenager just lost it on me. And normally I explode in anger and crush them with a mighty, you know, smiting of the all seven furies coming down at once. And this time I just stood there and said, I love you. This is the rule. And it's going to stay the rule. But I love you anyways. And then that moment, all of a sudden we realize, like we look back and it, this is, that's a big example. There's tiny micro examples that when we learn to see that in ourselves and to celebrate that, be like, wow, God did an amazing work here in me in this moment, man, I, I like myself a whole lot better when those moments come. Wow. That's great. Um, do you ever, do you, I, I, one of the things I, I observe sometimes is that a lot of men, um, have difficulty with knowing what it is to be a man um, because no one's ever showed them before. Um, I find that there's a lot of, of, of problems with uh, teenagers who, 
you know, don't have that kind of direction from from um, uh, a strong male figure in their life. It doesn't have to be their father. It could be their grandfather. It could be an uncle, whatever. Um, and and there is no um, nobody to to kind of take them under their wing and say, okay, you need to look at this. You know, you need to look at that. You know, um, you know. Um, this is this is a part of who it is to be a man. Do you do you find that uh, a lot of um, a lot of the guys you work with have never had that as a, as a youngster? I find that almost nobody has really had that very well anywhere. Hmm. Like it's it's almost unknown, and it's so sad. It breaks my heart. I, I think when I look at the typical male's experience of fatherhood and masculinity, we have Homer Simpson. Not exactly a shining role model. We have, you know, uh, Indiana Jones, still uh, some serious gaps in virtue there. And nowhere do we see a strong, compassionate man who's comfortable with his emotions and can be emotional and still be masculine. I'm like, anger is about the only officially blessed emotion there is as a man. And so much of this does come back. And one thing I always emphasize whenever I talk about stories in our past is my parents, both of them, did their best that they know how to do. And they were sinners. I also am a sinner. And I oftentimes joke that I think it's probably more important that I fund a therapy account for my kids or than a college account, because I'm sure at <laughs> least they're going to need the first one. <laughs> and I really want to emphasize just, a, a, I'm not saying these things from a place of judgment. I genuinely don't think my father had any idea how to be a father. And nor did his father. I've talked to my grandfather about this. And my grandfather just passed recently, actually. I was given this amazing blessing. He, as he was passing, he was degrading a little bit mentally and, and wasn't quite there entirely. And it was getting pretty rare to talk to him as him. And I had this amazing gift from God of 20 minutes of a phone call where he was there and he was clear and he was lucid. And even my grandmother said she had not heard him talk the way I described him talking to me for a long time. And just the way that he celebrated the good parts of life and what he wanted to say now on his Beth of seeing what it was to be a man. I wish my father had heard that. I wish I had heard that from my father, but it's totally true. We don't have that. And what's so hard is not only do we not get that from where it'd be nice to get it from, we don't have the relationships that would support getting that from somewhere else. There's a young man who I tried to take under my wing and he's I believe I did good for this guy. And we went to deer camp together. We, I, I spent a couple, took him out to lunch a couple times just to talk with him. And he was really struggling with the faith, with understanding all this kind of stuff. Right. And we just, I just made it a free for all question for him. You can ask me whatever you want to. And we talked about it. And I think I did some good there, but the truth is I didn't have 20 years of background of building that credit of building that relationship to do it. And so it's hard, but ultimately I think one of the things I tell people is, you may not have a father that's a great father. You may not have a man in your life to role model this, but you have a man and the man upstairs who can role model this for you. And I go back to what Father Larry Richards said. I, I remember this moment because I fought it so hard. When Father Larry Richards says it, that John the Apostle, the beloved apostle at the Last Supper, lays his head upon the chest of our Lord. And that's not some sort of like, you know, homosexual thing whatsoever. There's none of that there, zero of that there, but it's pure masculinity in resting in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And he says, I want to encourage you 
as a fully grown adult man to visualize yourself, either as a little boy climbing to the lap of the father and giving me a hug or to rest your head on the chest of our Lord. And there's that tapped into something of me that said, whoa, that's not like anger strength. That's not like Homer Simpson level randomness. That's not Indiana Jones and his cool suave. Like there's something deeper there and that's accessible to all of us. Oh yeah. Um, dude, one of the things that I, I find also is that, um, and I know it's true for, for women as well, but particularly for men, um, there, there, there isn't a transition that we ever make, um, or that is any kind of a formalized thing. I mean, I, I think in our society today, the transition between being a kid and being an adult is, is getting your driver's license, which is really sad that that's, yeah. that's the one thing that's celebrated. Um, do you, do you find that there's any kind of a correlation between those, those things and, and what you see in your practice? I, I absolutely do. And I think every man beeps down long, assuming he has a good relationship with his father, but if not some other man, he wants a position of male authority to come up to him and say, and to say, you are now a man. And when we don't hear that as men, we're left searching. And I hear so often from clients, I don't know if I'm worth this. I don't know if I'm good enough for this. Like, I know God gave me this wife and God gave me these children, but dude, I just don't think I'm good enough to take care of them. Like, I think God screwed up is really what the core message is. I hear from so many people. If God knew my heart, he would never have put these kids under my care because I'm too much of a screw up, right? But we say stuff like that and we have these doubts. And what's worse is when that doubts in my heart, here's how it comes out. You kids, you got to do better because if you don't turn out to be good kids, then I'm really a failure right? Mm -hmm. Same thing to our wives. And so it's, it's so hard, but like, you know, if there's women listening, I'd encourage if you hear some of that, there's a chance, I don't know the state of your husband. There's a chance that underneath down there is this deep, dark fear that he's not good enough, that he's not actually a man yet. Because the truth is you don't become a man at a certain age. Jordan Peterson talks about how women have responsibility thrust upon them in a very real and concrete way, especially when they get pregnant. Like that one's an undeniable there's a point of transition there in a woman's life right it doesn't have to be a point in transitions in a man's life it can be he can make it one but it's not like the, in a woman's case it's not voluntary like there's some real stuff happening mm -hmm. but a man has to choose to step up to the plate and what's worse is even if he does it's so rare that he gets that affirmation that comes back on the flip side and says oh you did it you stepped up you owned what you did you're taking responsibility you're leading a life and because we don't get that affirmation, we're always doubting it. And I would invite also women listening to say, maybe that's something you should say to your husband. Maybe that's something he wants to hear. Um, yeah, and, and there's, a, there's a huge um, emotional component to all of that as well. Um, you know, uh, emotion, empathy, all those, those feelings that, uh, that we have. Men have this tendency to shove them away, I think, or they don't well, know much how so. to use them, um, you know, appropriately or even what to do. Um, how, how, what role do you think, do you believe that the, those emotions and feelings have to do with, uh, with men and their lives and accepting their, their spirituality, I suppose, is, is another way to say it. Um, 
Yeah. Oh, I, I, I think you're so right. And I'm going to jump back to my own story here a little bit. I want you to imagine here's young Michael growing up and his father left him. I, I was a jerk when I was in high school. Let me just own that straight up. Like I was the, just, I was so angry and I was so hurt that I just, what do hurting people do? Hurting people hurt people. And so all the way through, I got this message. The only feeling I'm allowed to feel is anger. And I got very, very good at boxing everything else up and, you know, Fort Knox level containment filing it down in the lost basement. What feelings? Nope. Don't have them. I talked to so many guys who literally look me in the eye and they say, Michael, I don't have feelings. And I say to them, Oh, really? Is that so? Did you know that neurologically speaking, if you didn't have feelings, you'd be unable to function. There's this, uh, there's this condition where there's a certain type of damage to your prefrontal cortex, which renders people unable to feel feelings. But what's interesting about that, and first off, I, my heart goes out to these poor folks, but nevertheless, we, we study these things trying to help them. But if you take a person with this condition who's very hungry, and you sit them down at a table and you present them a plate of their favorite meal and you say, this is for you, they're going to sit there and literally they're going to say, what should I do? Because they're unable to make a decision without the feeling there to fuel it. And mm -hmm. unless you tell them, eat that food, they will sit there and not eat it. Mm -hmm. And it's... If you make a decision, no matter how suppressed it is, there's a feeling there behind it. And this is just neurologically, it's a mandatory thing. Not like your doctor hits your knee with a hammer. That's different. But like an actual intellectual right. decision has to be fueled by a feeling. And so you have them. But what's so funny, though, is we men think we don't need them or that we think we can somehow hide them. But if you want to have a happy marriage, physical intimacy is not sufficient. If you have try for that without emotional, without discovering and unearthing these emotions, processing them, sharing them, letting them be part of your relationship with your wife, you will not be able to sustain a close marriage. It just isn't possible. But here's what's more interesting. If you aren't willing to do that with our Lord, you will not be able to sustain that close relationship with our Lord. It's very common when I get a man who's really mad at God. I ask him how his prayer life is. He says, oh yeah, I pray every day. I say, do the morning Magnificat. I do the rosary in the evening. And I said, okay, cool. When do you actually talk to God? And he says, well, what do you mean? And I say, when do you share all that you're feeling and all that's going outside with you with our Lord? Oh, well, Michael, I can't do that. Why not? Well, this is not respectful to him. That's not, that's not, that's not God as love. He doesn't want to hear about this junk. And I pause and I say, maybe he does. What if God wants union with you on a deeper level than you can imagine? That part of that means saying, God, I'm hurt. I'm upset. I'm scared. I'm angry about this. And I don't understand this. I don't know why I'm hurt and up scared, but this is where I am. And almost without exception, you know, Paul, it's so neat. They, they fight that and like share that with our Lord. No, no, I can't do that. That's your homework. Share with our Lord. I have to be, I still have a little of that jerk left in me still. And <laughs> they come back and they're like, you're not going to believe what, what God told me. Like, I'm still not sure I believe it, but like God accepted that. And he told them, he'll tell them something that just blows their mind because it's connects everything and pulls them into our Lord's love ever deeper. And so if you're a guy who wants to have any meaningful relationship at all, you have to be willing to not only have feelings, but to share them. And that's terrifying to so many of us still terrifying okay. to me even now. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's not the easiest thing in the world to do either. Um, I, I often think that, uh, um, you know, I was thinking when you were, when you were talking about how, if you don't have 
the, the feeling or don't understand the feeling of love in your own life um, in, in some way, shape or form. Um, then when, when, when you go to pray or you, you read the gospels, the gospels make no sense because, wow. you know, I, I've, I've said to people many times before, one of the things, one of the images I really love is the image at the baptism of Jesus. When Jesus is baptized uh, by Jordan in the, in, by John in the Jordan. And the next thing that everybody hears is this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And I have been trying to say to people over and over and over again that those words weren't just addressed to Jesus. Those words are addressed to us every yeah. single day. But we have trouble accepting that. Yeah. You know, I, I think about uh, the, our Lord's words to those who have even more will be given and to those who have not even what they have will be taken away, which on the surface level sounds a contradiction. It sounds like, well, that doesn't even make sense. But in the divine economy of love, I think it's so true. And if, if I'm open to receiving that love, even more will be given. But if I close myself off, I, I, I lose and dry out even more. And every night I put my boys to bed, I give them a blessing and I draw the sign of the cross in their foreheads. And I say, may the Lord bless you and keep you and et cetera. And the very end I add, and you are my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And I'm human. So there are some nights that that's, and you are my <laughs> beloved son who I'm very well pleased right now. As you just markered all over a brand new car and smashed everything in the kitchen. <laughs> right. Like it's, I'm human, but I think it's so powerful that, as a guy to even open up that possibility, am I worthy of being loved for who I am for as I am right now as a sinner? We know that we're sinners. I, I could make my laundry list of all the stupid stuff I've done in my life. And to know that God loves me anyways, that's a game changer. He's, he's, he's there to, he, I, I often think of him of him as the fixer um, yeah he, he'll make it okay you know as long as you're willing to admit that you know you, you need that help you know he'll make it okay um let me ask a, a question um maybe a little left field kind of question but what is a catholic man Ooh, well, I'm not sure we, have, <laughs> that's a big one. Let me see what I can do here. <laughs> I think you have to start by understanding that a Catholic man knows what he's responsible for and knows what he's supposed to control and knows himself in right relationship to others. First of all, to our Lord and to the Father, to the Holy Spirit, not trying to exclude, you know, I need him okay. too. Um, second off to those in his life. Uh, if he's married, obviously to his wife, if he has children, to his children, but to his own parents, to his siblings, to those in his community and knows himself in right relationship. But that third piece is so powerful because when you understand th what the word control is supposed to mean, I'm, I'm going to, since you go left field, I'm going to go a little left field here as well. Go ahead. So you have Adam and Eve, right? And Adam and Eve are in the garden and Aquinas writes that Adam and Eve were in complete control of their own bodies, right? Pre-fall, of course. And like, if I, my understanding of that means that if I want my heart to go faster, I could make it go faster. Right. And so there's this complete control in union and united with the will of our Lord. And then you take the bite of the apple, everything changes, but here's what's so interesting. Immediately they lose all of this, you know, this, when they're no longer united divine will, they lose this sense of control over their bodies. They had before the, the great fall. 
And I speculate, and this is not going to Michael's, you know, uh, own personal musings, that so much of our deep desire for control is an echo of what was lost in the fall. But here's how it plays out. Michael knows Michael should control himself when his kids marker all over his couch and smash all the glass in the kitchen. He knows that he should do that. I try and I fail. Ergo, if I can't control myself, what should I do? I should control them. Ah, that'll solve the yeah. problem, right? And so... <laughs> My sense of control, which is supposed to be converted inward, all of a sudden switches to outward. And that's where it goes bad. And so often I hear guys say, oh, I just need to control this thing. And I say, no, you don't. It's not your job. And one of the great metaphors I love to use is the image of a farmer. And so imagine a few hundred years ago, we don't have the big mega equipment and whatnot. And you have this farmer who goes out and he's a good farmer and he tills the soil and he plants the seed, he spreads the manure. And I have a black thumb. I don't know the farmer's stuff, but he does all the right stuff, right? Okay. He goes back to his porch and his wife's standing there and she says, all right, farmer, how, how, are we going to have a good crop this year? He says, you know, I don't know. It's up to God. I controlled what I did. Now the rest is up to God. God has to send the rain. God has to make the crops grow, not send some sort of insect thing, whatever, you know, Everything's up to God after my part is done. And I think a Catholic man understands that his job is not to control his wife, is not to control his children, is not to control the USCCB, is not to control what's going on in Russia, Ukraine right now, but just simply to say, how do I show up in a way that honors God, that honors my relationships as best as possible every day, that acknowledges I'm a sinner, that commits faults when I'm wrong, and then steps up and says, and I'm going to use every bit of self-control I have to try to make it better. And men don't have the ability also to control God. I, I think so often. <laughs> we sure try though, don't we? we? We try to do that. You know, it's, it's, I was talking with someone who was saying, well, you know, prayer just isn't effective and, and, you know, it's, it's a waste of time and I don't hear anything. I said, well, what do you, what do you do? And he says, well, I usually try to say what I'm thinking about or what I think could happen. I said, so in other words, what you're saying is, God, I have this great idea. Why don't we try it? <laughs> and, you know, I think so often our prayer life is that, you know, let's yeah. you know, kind of let's try this. Maybe this will work, and, you know, rather than saying, what do you need of me? You know, it's the it's the old biblical story of here I am. Tell me what you want me to do. Tell me where you want me to go. And I'm willing to go. That's several parts of that story of that thing. But, you know, we so often want to have that control over everything. You know, that's why guys always drive, you know. Yep. <laughs> you know? With um, one unusual temperamental pairing that women always drive, but yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, so, um, The, um, how does, I'm trying to think how I want to phrase the question. That's why I was hesitating. How does a man take all of the things that we've been talking about and, you know, his, his, his life, his prayer life, his, you know, his family, his, you know, whatever. How does he take that all and integrate that into a, complete whole person slowly and painfully but let me give you a better answer that's a good answer <laughs> one of the concepts i teach is called the, i call it, I, I learned this to my coach is the gap and the gain and imagine you're in the ship 
okay? And you're leaving port, all right? And you're looking out to the horizon. You're going out from the ocean, okay? And the horizon, of course, on a ship, you, all you see is the endless ocean. And you've sailed for an hour and you look out in the horizon. That's what I call the gap. But if you just look at the horizon, how far have you come? It still looks the same. But if you stop and you turn around and look, you're like, whoa, in this hour where the, that little port I just left is now that tiny little dot back there. And this is the idea of looking at the gap versus looking at the gain. And what so often we as human beings love to do is stare at that gap. And this is, in the one sense, we even call it good sometimes. We're like, here's Michael, here's St. Michael. This is a big gap. It is a big gap, right? And yep. we'll make one teeny tiny step upwards. And we're like, that's still a really big gap, which is true, but it's not helping. And so what happens then? Discouragement. I look and I say, wow, I really tried hard. I stepped up the plate. Nothing changed, right? And so do I try hard again? Of course not. And the first thing I'd encourage guys to is look at where you're coming from. Celebrate the step. And if you are coming from a badly broken starting point and you make a big heroic effort and you make one tiny step forward and you look behind you and say, oh, cool. I'm one tiny step away from that horrible starting point. Praise the Lord. Give thanks to God that a good thing has happened there. And so often as we who live in this world are so often a hot mess, we get distracted by the myriad of ways that we fall short of what we know we're called to do. I know that a good father should allow his kids to mark the couch and smash things in the kitchen. This may have just happened. I don't know if you're noticing a theme here by example. Yeah, I'm catching that. <laughs> yeah, my wife and I literally discovered the couch thing five minutes before walking in here. So I mean, you may <laughs> be see, seeing me process this in real time right now, right? <laughs> I know that a good man should be able to see that and respond lovingly and calm. But I'll be honest, I don't know that I did the good man thing in this particular moment as well as I should have. And so if I look at the gap, there's still a lot of gap there. But I did it better. Than I did in a similar situation the last time something got destroyed by the boys. And so the looking at that game and saying, hey, that's a little bit better. But here's one more tool I want to throw out there. So we're trying to integrate and trying to become authentic. I think it's helpful lots of times to imagine that inside of me is this little tiny man named Michael. And if I lie, he cringes. Oh, I can see him in my head right now. If I if I cheat someone, if I, even if I misrepresent something or if I gossip, um, there was a Sunday, a few Sundays ago after mass and we we're doing the coffee and donuts thing. And somebody asked a question. I knew the answer and a part of me knew I shouldn't give the answer because it was something I probably shouldn't have shared. And I mean, it's nothing terrible, but like I said it anyways. Right. And I know that little piece of me just cringed inside. I'm like, oh, shouldn't have said that, Michael. That wasn't kind, truthful and necessary. And that piece of us, this, whether you want to call it your conscience, call it, you know, like whatever this little sense of us is, pay attention to him. And if you find yourself doing something that makes them stand tall, write that down, do more of that, notice that. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's something is because everyone has different struggles and everyone like the proper human being has a both and on almost every aspect of their life. Right. And if you're like a high type A personality, maybe the struggle is to be more gentle. If you're a hot, strong type B personality, maybe the struggle is to be a little more assertive sometimes. And so it's not like a one size fits all answer. It's a, where are you at? And watch that piece of yourself. If it stands tall, shoulders back, when you, whatever it was you just did, say, oh, I think I did it right that time. Do more of those things. Watch that piece of yourself and see that gain. Because as long as you keep trying to just celebrate those little wins, you'll slowly by slowly get there. And then that's where purgatory takes over. Oh. (laughs) 
I'm beginning to feel sorry for your son. Um, <laughs> I have three boys. I don't know which one it was. So <laughs> whoever did the whoever destroyed the couch, I, just, I feel sorry for him. Uh, <laughs> um, so so so, Michael, we've been talking for a while here. Um, I, I know that you have a great website. You have you know a lot of stuff that's going on there. Um, why don't you let our listeners know how to get a hold of you, what the what your website is about, what kinds of things um, you can do for them, or you know, what what's Absolutely. on that site? Thank you so much for the invitation. So for those women who are still here, I'll actually start with the ladies first this time. My wife and I are both Catholic life coaches, and we both have a pretty similar set of what we offer. And so you can find the women's version at www.madeforgreatness.co, and that's comes from uh, Benedict's. Yeah, line of you are not made for comfort, you are made for greatness. And on the men's side, you'll find us at www.catholiclifecoachformen. You simply type in Catholic Life Coach for Men, you'll find me and my podcast very quickly. And you'll quickly find there's kind of three different levels to engage. If you just want to check us out, check us out in the podcast. You'll find the most, the most quickly, both my wife and I have a podcast. My wife is partnered with a lovely Catholic lady and the two of them are working together. We have what we call a group membership site, where if you just want to be part of community of people who are trying to do better, trying to, you know, change some stuff on their life as, as they go through it, it includes things like courses, group coaching calls, which are really powerful because one of the most common messages people have is I'm the only person struggling with this. I'm alone. And you quickly discover that no, man, everybody struggles with it. The number of times in a men's call where some guest says, I just lost on my kid. And I feel so bad. You see every other head in the, in the zoom and you go, Oh, me too. And that's just there. And then we also do offer a more high intensive one-on-one direct coaching for people who are saying, I got to change something right now in my life. And I want this to change now. And so all three of those are options. Come check us out. If nothing else, check out the podcast. And I invite all of you who are listening to not think you're alone, to not feel like you're trapped out of control because there's ways to change it. And you find what fits you and you start doing it. Great. Well, thank you, Michael. I, I, uh, just for, for our, my listeners, um, the, the websites and everything that Michael just gave, um, I always have this vision that somebody's trying to run for a pencil or and, and write things down and it never successful, but I put all that information onto, onto my website. Also, there'll be a section, um, once, once it's published, there'll be a section with, with this particular podcast, um, which will have all that information. I'll, I'll put both, both websites on there. Um, so you can find who you need and what you need. Um, and I, I would really encourage, uh, l- listening to Michael's podcast. It's, uh, I was listening to it earlier today and I have heard it before, but, um, it, it was really a interesting, good podcast doing little things for each, each time when, when he's on. So, um, well, thank you so much for those kind words. No, thank you. And, and thanks for being with us today. I, I, you know, some valuable and important things that, we all need to to hear and think about once in a while. So thank you for your time. I I really appreciate you being here with us today. Well, Paul, thank you so much for having me on. It was a pleasure. God bless. God bless. Well, the music means that our time together is at an end. I would like to thank you for walking with me today. It's been a great blessing. All of the information about the podcast or the YouTube channel 
is available on the website ourwalktogether.com. Please invite your friends to also listen. You are the best advertisement. And so, until we meet again, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord let his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look upon you kindly and give you his peace.